Hello and welcome to another NFT journey. This is episode three of my podcast where we discuss all things NFT and Web3, if you will. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of like br branching out into these other topics as a, the more and more I talk about these things, it's like it's not just NFTs, it's everything all over the place. Uh, today's episode, we got a couple new stories that I want to discuss, uh, some, some hot things that happened. You're probably going to guess a couple of them. And uh, we're going to talk about picking a wallet. Uh, one of the first steps to get involved with this whole crypto world and NFTs is picking a wallet. And let me tell you, it's not straightforward. So let's get right into it. Uh, the first story is the OpenSea hack. OpenSea is the largest, the absolute largest NFT marketplace out there right now. And um, it's it's it's. I, I think it's often one of the most criticized as well because it has so much volume go through it and it could be possibly improved in a lot of different ways, security wise and interface wise and all, all kinds of stuff. In my research and just learning about OpenSea, I think I've found more negative feedback than I have positive, but it's one of those things where this is the biggest marketplace. So you kind of have to be there type attitude. Um, but there was a hack apparently a hack of some sort of a phishing attack or a hack that happened. Um, everybody's classifying it as a hack, but uh, the investigation that's going on hasn't concluded yet, but the information that's been trickling in seems to point to some sort of a phishing attack where some individuals clicked on a, clicked on a malicious link and accidentally signed something. Uh, OpenSea was in the process of doing a migration and uh, these, pe these people clicked on a link to initiate the migration and they had to sign. So the, the thing they signed was property of the malicious person or the hacker and he proceeded to steal a lot of NFTs. According to the, um, according to the article, uh, CNBC has it, a bunch of big news outlets has it and I've seen stories on Twitter. There's a couple different stories. One is that 200 million and NFTs were stolen. And the other is that the guy had 1.7 million in his wallet and he still hasn't sold the other NFTs. So at the end of the day, there's millions of dollars of NFTs that got removed from people's wallets. And that's a big, big, big problem. Um, I think one of the one of the most concerning things about this is that we don't know if if it's actually a, a problem with the NFT or the uh, OpenSea software, because there's rumors that there was an, there was an exploit that this hacker took advantage of. Rumors haven't been substantiated yet, so I'm not going to repeat them completely. But um, the, 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 the leading story, I think, right now is just that this is part of a phishing hack. If you don't know what phishing is, it's when you get socially engineered, basically. Someone pretends to be something and you trust them and you end up doing something not smart and you lose access to something. You give them access. You give them a password um, that you shouldn't have. Or you click on a link you shouldn't have. And it's a big problem that happens in not only NFTs and not only Web3, but it's all over the, all over the internet and the web. Um, so this is a quote from David Fencer. He said that we don't believe it's connected to the OpenSea website. It appears 32 users thus far have signed a malicious payload from an attacker and some of their NFTs were stolen. And um, in a series of tweets, Fencer dispelled rumors that the hack was worth 200 million. Fencer, I might be, might be pronouncing his name wrong, Fencer, Fencer, uh, he said that the hacker has $1.7 million in Ethereum in his wallet from 
selling some of these stolen NFTs. And one of the good things about the blockchain is that all the stuff is traceable. So all the things that were stolen, everything that was moved, you can see where it went and who got it and who did what. So it's not a mystery uh, where the things are. It's just that no real, from what we can tell, no laws were broken because these individuals did sign uh, to, for these things to be sold for zero ETH. That's what that's what they signed. They signed some sort of, a, I think, a smart contract to say uh, these transactions will be, you know, you can do these transactions for free. So they basically fool someone. It's like giving someone your bank account and and some sort of some sort of a scam. You know, they take your money. They didn't really do anything wrong in terms of like how they did it. You gave them the, the you gave them the information they needed to get your stuff. It's a very similar area of what happened here. So um, it's it's a very scummy thing and a very scammy thing. And we I don't like it. Nobody likes it. And it happens all the time, not just in NFTs and not just in, in crypto. Uh, but lately, crypto has been a hotbed for these types of things. So I'll put a link in the show description about this uh, article about the NFT marketplace on OpenSea being hacked. And uh, it actually affected the market a little bit. I think there was a little bit of a turmoil in the uh, in the crypto market because of this, because this is the biggest, the biggest marketplace right now. And the other story I want to talk about is the New York Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange filed a trademark for an NFT marketplace. Kind of a big deal. Um, this this kind of points to the idea that the New York Stock Exchange is about to get into trading NFTs or at least you know, covering their tracks and covering their, uh, making sure they're prepared if they have to set up some sort of an NFT marketplace. It's the largest stock exchange in the world from what I understand. And um, this is what the article says over on Fast Company. The filing submitted February 10th reveals that New York Stock Exchange's ambition to launch a platform for cryptocurrency and NFT trading, among other things. Such a platform would pit the centuries-old institution against the likes of Crypto Unicorn, OpenSea, who we just talked about, a roughly four-year-old startup that landed a monster 13 billion valuation in January. Yeah. Uh, as well as other popular NFT marketplaces like Rarible and the Winker, Winklevoss-owned Nifty Gateway. According to the document, the world's largest stock exchange has a bona fide intention to explore a vast spectrum of blockchain-based technologies, including, but not limited to, Application Programming Interface, or API, to allow users to access, maintain, store, display, buy, sell, and trade virtual and digital assets, artwork, collectibles, and, you guessed it, NFTs, and API for sending, receiving, accepting, buying, selling, storing, transmitting, trading, and exchanging digital currency, virtual currency, cryptocurrency, digital and blockchain assets, digital assets, digital tokens, crypto tokens, and utility tokens. Pretty much covers everything. So New York Stock, Stock Exchange is getting pretty, pretty serious about this. And a lot of people who are bullish in crypto are excited about this because that means that it's going to add a huge level of legitimacy to crypto. Uh, but also it can be seen as a threat as well, that they can come in and, and do some things they're not supposed to do. I've seen people argue both sides. I honestly don't have an opinion yet. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out, learning about it, but... Uh, the, the fact that the New York Stock Exchange, if you think about it, like if they start trading NFTs, people are going to take them a lot more serious than they are now. Because nobody, if you mentioned OpenSea to somebody 
who, who doesn't follow crypto, they don't have a clue who you're talking about. But if you say, hey, I bought this board ape on the New York Stock Exchange, they'd be like, you know, then they'll start to care after that. So two big stories. Um, and I kind of want to do like a little side story, not too much. But um, this wasn't in my original show notes. But the things that's happening with Russia and the Ukraine have had an effect on the crypto market. Um, from what, I, what we've seen, there's been a little bit of a decline. I think over the last couple of weeks, the crypto market has kind of been on a decline and volume's been down. But that didn't help. The whole thing with the Ukraine it didn't help anything. Well, it didn't help a lot of things. I don't want to misstate things. Uh, so I just want to throw that out there, too, is that there's some volatility in the crypto market because of the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Uh, definitely something to keep your eye on. Now, how long have I been going? I, I knew this was going to be a packed episode. I'm already at 10 minutes, and I haven't even gotten to my topic yet. Uh, let's talk about wallets. When you get into NFTs and when you get into crypto, um, <clears throat> especially if you're like me and you start to, you're starting to research this stuff, the first thing you're going to have to decide on is a wallet. Uh, and a wallet will house your cryptocurrency, your coins. And in some cases it will house your, your crypto assets like NFTs. So which wallet do you pick? That's the question, right? And it's really hard to say. And what I've found in my little research that I've done is that a lot of it stems from what currency is being used. So if you're picking a wallet, you kind of have to know where you're going to use the wallet first. So if you're going to OpenSea, there's a list of wallets there. If you're going to go to a different market that's out there, if you're going to use a different network like Polygon, if you're going to use Solana, if you're going to use some other ETH-based uh, uh, chains out there, that's a whole nother set of research, but you're going to have to know what currency you're going to use on top of which wallet you're going to use, because not all wallets work with all networks. Um, I'm going to mainly talk about the, the elephant in the room, which is OpenSea. OpenSea is an ETH-based, mostly an ETH, uh, Ethereum-based chain, but Polygon is supported over there as well. And there's a lot of other things like Solana that are being used on OpenSea. Um, and the wallet of choice that a lot of people talk about and is very popular is MetaMask. And uh, I, I did some research on MetaMask and I saw a lot of good and a lot of bad, mostly bad. Uh, a lot of people didn't like MetaMask for many different reasons, a lot of security problems with it. Uh, and the company really hasn't been around that long. Uh, but it is the wallet that just about everybody recommends to get started with. And I, I've created a MetaMask wallet. Like I don't have any, any coins in there or anything. Uh, but when you pick a wallet, you have to do, you have to learn security. It's not just a username and password for a lot of cases. Uh, they're going to give you a secret phrase whenever you pick a wallet and you create a, a software wallet. I think they're called cold wallets or hot wallets. I forgot which one they're, they're called. Um, but you're going to have to pick a security phrase and they're going to give you, I think, 12 words in sequence. And this is your keys to your wallet. This is basically how you can get access to your wallet. It's not your private public keys, but if you have this phrase, you can get your, your private keys. Um, and what a lot of these wallets do when you're creating your, your account with the wallet is that they, they're going to tell you Here's your secret phrase. Make sure you write it down. 
And a lot of best practices out there, and I agree with these best practices, say don't store it on a computer. Don't put it in a <laughs> don't put it in secret phrase.txt in your documents folder. Uh don't even put it on your your one password or last pass uh password managers. Don't even do that. What you should do is write it down with your fingers and a pen on a piece of paper and stick it in a safe or something that's fireproof. Um, this is, this is the best level of security one can have is writing stuff down. So people laugh, but storing your password on a sticky note in an out of sight location is very secure. Very, very secure. Unless somebody gets physically gets into your home. And if they physically get into your home, you got bigger issues, uh, than just your password. But that is the de facto way to, to store these, uh, security phrases and, um, I've created several wallets and I, this is kind of something I'm going to be, I'm going to be investigating later on as well as just how many wallets do you need? Because it seems like if you're going to dabble in different parts of crypto, you can't just have one wallet because they're, it's not supported everywhere. I mean, there's services out there like wallet connect, which can help you connect your wallet to certain things that don't necessarily support it, but that's not with everything, especially if you jump between Ethereum based marketplaces to Sol Solana. Did I say Solarium? I think I said Solarium earlier. Now that I think about it, I said Solarium. Solana. And then there's uh, Polygon, which are like the big three that I've been researching lately because they're the most popular, I think. Uh, Solana and Polygon are really popular because of their low, low gas fees, and which are called transaction fees, right? So it's like, do you just use just one? And, and you know, when I was coming into this, my thought was... I'm probably going to have a public facing wallet and I'm going to have my own private wallet where I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody about this, my private wallet, but I'll have a public facing wallet. You know, if I happen to get into this stuff like big time, I'll have a public facing wallet where people can donate or send me things. I won't have anything super valuable in there. Uh, and the reason why is because, you know, I've learned in just going to different websites that people can send you malicious smart contracts they can send you malicious nfts that if you interact with them or sign them or do something with them uh they can potentially compromise your entire wallet or your machine or something so uh it seems to me that you would want to separate it but picking a wallet is tough because to me i like good user interfaces so i looked at things like sequence and i looked at phantom and i even looked at the brave wallet which is built into my favorite browser the brave browser and I thought they were pretty good. Sequence, Phantom, and Brave. But they weren't supported everywhere. Uh, they weren't supported on all these different Web3 sites and, and distributed apps that I was looking at, you know, investigating. Um, certain people were just like, I, you can only use MetaMask, or you can use Trust, or you can use Coinbase. I'm just rattling off a whole bunch of different names here uh, that, that could possibly work with it. Now, er, up until now, I've been talking about nothing but software wallets. There's also... Hardware wallets, which is something I'm going to be getting in the near future, uh, just in case you know something happens. If I'm going to have a, a a a crypto wallet with something that's very important, I'd rather have that offline. I'd rather have that in a device that is not connected to the internet in any shape or form. And there's Ledger and Trezor; those are two brands that I know about. And I knew about these even before I got into this NFT thing because I've been into crypto for years. I've known about it. I've had, I've owned crypto. I, I own coins. I, I have wallets already, 
none of the ones I named here, but I had I had wallets and stuff. So I, I was familiar with Ledger and Trezor, and I've been trying to get one for a while. Uh, but I never, you know, I, I was never serious enough in crypto. I wasn't doing a lot of trading. I wasn't, I wasn't depositing money. I wasn't transferring money. I wasn't, I wasn't, I, it was basically, I was holding on the coins and they were just sitting there, uh, kind of just for fun. Um, and it turned out to be pretty lucrative because the coins I had held on to appreciated pretty well. So what started as just a few bat from, 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 from Brave, which is basic attention token turned into hundreds and hundreds of dollars in Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and Solana and all these other things that I bought. Uh, it actually turned out pretty well and just from getting tips from from my uh, my community with basic attention token and bat because you can tip creators uh, with bat. I just I that's basically what I was playing with and I actually turned it into a profit. So I was just dilly dallying with that, but nothing really serious. But if 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 it really came down to it and I'm going to get serious about this, I would definitely want a hardware wallet. So going back to what we we talked about, picking a wallet. UI compatibility, what chain is it going to use and what kind of reputation does it have? Because if it's weak in terms of security or if somebody can access it really easily and they can get to your stuff, uh, if it's been compromised in the past more than once, you may not want to do it. And same is true for like newer wallets like Sequence, which I, I which recently came out, I think Sequence and Phantom. Um, which are really nice looking wallets and have good features, but they're young and they really haven't been tried and tested. So it, it, it's a, it's, it's a lot, a lot of information regarding this. And sadly, I can't really give you any kind of guidelines on like which one I would recommend, because like I said, it depends on what you're going to do, what marketplace you're going to be on, what currency, what, what, which chain are you going to use? Are you going to use Ethereum? Are you going to be on OpenSea, are you going to be in a different marketplace? Um, what what are your plans? Are you going to do trading? Are you just going to buy NFTs? Because the way it stands, you can't actually physically see your NFTs on MetaMask. But a lot of people use MetaMask to to purchase NFTs, and then they go to OpenSea to to actually look at their their NFTs. Whereas there's some wallets out there where you can actually open your phone and see your NFTs inside of your wallet. Uh, and that may be important to some people, especially when it comes to collectibles. You may want to actually see your stuff and not depend on OpenSea to see it. It's a lot of C's. Um, this is something that's going to be ongoing. I I'm going to be revisiting revisiting this topic many, many, uh, many times because there's a lot of different wallets and a lot of different currencies and coins that people are using. And there's no one standard. And that's that's indicative of being in this this whole Web3 birth and the gestation of this environment is that standards are not there. People are building those standards. They're trying to build something to come up with a standard and everybody's doing things different ways. And it's the Wild West. It's like very, very cool. But at the same time, it's very unorganized, which I've said in previous episodes, it's not always the best time to get into this stuff. It's very volatile right now. Um, and as I learned about different metaverses, like, uh, like the central land and, um, and the sandbox and, and all these other different metaverses that are being created out there. 
Each one of those comes with their own rule set with which wallets you can use and which currency you can use to buy things and gas fees and transaction fees. They all have their own certain rule set, which I think it's important to actually understand that. The things that I talked about in episode one, like what's an NFT and why should you care? Uh, those basics of an NFT and, 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 a, and a chain that you're going to be using and gas fees and transaction fees and the concept of a wallet and how you're going to be interacting with these services, whether it's going to be like the things I'm talking about today. Are you going to use a hardware wallet? Are you going to use a software wallet? Are you going to use a centralized or a decentralized wallet? A lot of questions have to be answered before you can even get to that point. Uh, but it's important to build up the basics. And that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. And sadly, I mean, if you go to YouTube and, and search for what's the best wallet, a lot of those videos are biased. They are very biased, rightfully so, <clears throat> because they're biased towards what the people are using. Like, what are they using Binance? You know, they might be using, if they're using Binance, I think um, Coinbase. Is it Coinbase wallet? I think Coinbase um, is mainly, by, no, not, not, not Coinbase, uh, Trust. The trust wallet is mainly in the Binance ecosystem. So if you use Binance all the time, you're probably going to want to use the trust wallet, right? So it's a little bit of bias as to what you're using. So you kind of have to work in reverse. I'm going to use this marketplace. What does that, which wallets do that marketplace support? And then based on those wallets, I'll look at what each offers and what features they have and what kind of reputation they have. And I'll go from there. Lots to digest, man. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that's very important. It's almost like choosing a bank because your wallet is where you're going to house your, your currency. So it's, it's a very important decision that you shouldn't take lightly. I personally like, <laughs> excuse me. I personally like the idea of having more than one wallet. Um, not sticking with one for everything. Uh, mainly because of security, just for redundancy and security, not putting all your eggs in one basket. Because if something like the OpenSea hacked that happened happens to you, you only got you got everything in one wallet. Boom, everything is gone. But at the same time, there's a level of risk increase if you're using different wallets and you're constantly switching between them. And there's very varying degrees of uh, security between each one. So it's a big world, man. This whole Web3 NFT stuff is crazy. Um, but that's something to look at. Picking How do you pick a wallet? and finding the right one. And most times you gotta know what you're gonna do. If you're just gonna buy, I can tell you right now, if you just wanna buy NFTs or you're looking at getting NFTs, everybody's gonna point you to MetaMask. Just about everybody, every video, every expert out there is like, just use MetaMask, just use MetaMask. Because that is a standard pick for people who use OpenSea. That's like the default. They always say MetaMask. But it doesn't mean you have to use it. And that's my attitude. I'm like, well, if everybody's telling me to use MetaMask, I don't want to use it. Just like with OpenSea. Everybody was like, OpenSea is the one marketplace where I'm like, I guess I ain't using that. <laughs> I, I don't want to go where everybody else goes. I know if you're, you're trying to list something or you're trying to sell something, sure, you want to put it in a big marketplace. But to me, the most pop, especially if it's riddled with hacks and, and, and grifters and stuff, the, the place that's the most popular is going to have the highest risk. It's going to absolutely have the highest risk. So lots to digest, guys. Lots to take in. This is Borna from Borna. That something. 
That's my, uh, it's just a habit now. I just do that. This has been NFT Journey. It's the end of this episode. Uh, the stories we talked about, the OpenSea hack, the stock exchange, New York Stock Exchange, and wallets. So I'll see you guys next week for some more NFT stuff. I'm, I'm doing a lot of research. I'm signing up for things. I'm jumping into metaverses and I'm walking around looking at people. Haven't spent a dime. Don't worry. Barney, you become what? No, this is what I like to call investigative journalism. I'm just I'm just trying things out and looking at stuff. And I've been impressed by some stuff. I'm not going to lie. There's been some projects out there by some reputable people that actually look impressive. And then there's the the crap. There's the bottom of the barrel and there's the the obvious grifts and the whole whole, you know, HODL, come on, let's shoot the moon. All these different cringy scams that are just everywhere. And it's just it's it's it's, it's depressing. Just how much is out there. But I think there I, I think I agree with some some people like Gary Vee who says that there's gonna be projects that are gonna rise to the top, but I think a vast majority of the crap that's out there is just gonna fizzle away and die. And a lot of people are in it for the short run. They just want to do a cash grab and leave. Those people in there in it for the long run, we don't know who exactly they are right now, but those people that are in it for the long haul, those are the ones that are probably gonna most likely to stick around. I'll see you guys next time. This has been an NFT journey, episode number three. And take care of yourselves. Be safe if you're doing this NFT stuff. If you're not doing this NFT stuff, which that's my primary audience is the people who are, aren't in NFTs and they kind of want to learn about them. That's kind of my audience and that's my intention for this, this podcast. You know, just sit back and watch. See what happens and learn as you go. That's my suggestion. Take care of yourselves. Have a good day.